episode of Work Stoppage. We're an entirely listener-supported labor podcast, so thank you so much for your contributions on Patreon. They go a long way towards supporting the show. If you're not in the Discord, go ahead and get in there. It's free, and it's a great place to hang out with the hosts. And we are very excited this week to have with us Alicia Humphrey, who is one of the organizers and union members at the Starbucks on 63rd and Grand in Oklahoma City. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it, we've, we've been really eagerly following the progress of the Starbucks Workers United movement, really, you know, since it sprung up in Buffalo late last year and have been really inspired by the incredible and explosive growth all across the country. You know, now looking at almost 240 unionized stores, I, the movement has become basically a staple of our show of checking in on the status at the end of every episode for most of this year. And so we're really excited to finally be able to actually talk to an organizer in person and hear what like this poll process, this whole movement as it's developed has been like for you as somebody actually participating in it. And I guess just to get started, because this is an area that I feel like the Starbucks union movement has been one that is, I think for a lot of people, especially if they work in the service industry, is the sort of union drive that might seem a little more immediately accessible to them than ones in, say, if we're talking about organizing, I don't know, at like a John Deere manufacturing facility, at like a car battery plant or something in, in Ohio, like it's something that I think a lot of people who work in like, again, the service sector feel is like, hey, this is so much like my job. So one of the first things that I think that we really wanted to get into is when your store first, when you first started talking about unionizing, what at your store, like what were the issues, incidents, stuff that was going on in the, in the, in the broader area that really prompted you to start talking with your coworkers about organizing a union at your store? So those of us who had worked during the pandemic um, were the ones immediately interested in organizing. My coworker, Toby, who um, was the one who reached out to Starbucks Workers United, I think back in January or February, after one of our coworkers was out with COVID, um, they you know, had a quarantine for five days. But after those five days, after they were symptom-free, they had to come back to work. But they were still testing positive on a rapid test, and they were trying to get their shift coverage And I think that was like the last straw for them. And I know all of us were very frustrated at, (laughs) while Starbucks initially offered some great benefits during the beginning of the pandemic, those slowly got rolled away and we were being increasingly exposed, um, just, you know, protections being taken away. I think that was like one of the the leading forces and definitely something that uh, a lot of us got on board with wanting to organized for it. And then also just being super inspired with seeing what was happening in Buffalo and wanting to emulate that in our own store. Um, 
and just have more like partner representation and having more democracy and say in the workplace. And also, you know, increased wages because it wasn't until that the Buffalo store started organizing that they started offering that $15 minimum wage increase, which they had just uh, gotten to us this past month. Yeah, well, and your concerns about COVID are not unfounded, as we've seen over the past couple weeks, where Starbucks has announced that they're going to be ending any sort of COVID benefits at all. And uh, I I wonder, I'm guessing that they haven't done uh, any of their due diligence in consulting the union on whether or not that removal of benefits is, you know, not a violation of the the kind of status quo elements while they simultaneously say that they can't provide benefits because of the union status, both of which being unfair labor practices. Oh, it's, 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 incredibly, incredibly infuriating and makes me so upset. So first of all, you're exactly right. They can't take away, uh, they can't make changes to the store without negotiating with us. And they 100% are. Um, They should have to negotiate with us before taking away the COVID benefits. Um, And second of all, they also announced the an increase in sick leave accrual for non-union stores. So not only are they deciding to unilaterally take away COVID benefits for all stores, they also are announcing um, more exclusionary benefits for union stores, which the NLRB did rule um, as illegal. And there is a hearing scheduled in October 25th for the first round of benefits that they were excluding from union stores. And so Starbucks you know, they're, they're getting these rulings from the NLRB, but they're still pushing forward on their very much, as the NLRB says, um, illegal behavior. And I, I do hope that there is a positive. I do know that this is, you know, discriminatory for union stores and it's punishing us for unionizing by denying us these benefits. Um, and I was going to say the COVID stuff is particularly infuriating for me because it's something I've cared about since the beginning, like since it started in 2020, um, like I have done everything I can to not get infected. And I actually quit at the end of 2020 because I was continuously getting exposed to people who had COVID. Um, and I didn't feel safe at the workplace anymore. Um, and it was just incredibly frustrating because, you know, they would, First, like starting allowing customers back in the store. And, you know, at first they had to wear masks, but after the mask mandate got ruled out, you know, we were just getting exposed to customers without masks. And then this past year, they decided masks are optional for our coworkers. And so, you know, people can wear masks as they choose. And then now with the removal of COVID benefits, um, it's not only an issue because it's, They haven't bargained with union stores, but it's so unfair for stores that aren't union and stores that, you know, partners who don't have sick leave or they don't have vacation leave and they're expected to have um, enough to to cover them being out with COVID. And I was already talking to a partner who said, you know, if they get COVID, like they don't have enough sick leave in order to cover that and they can't afford not to get paid. And people are like working paycheck to paycheck. And it's just, it's, it's just not only infuriating, like logically wise, but for the people who are possibly going to risk like missing like rent or like money they need to pay bills, um, or just to survive. It's just very, 
so it's it's so insidious. It makes me so angry. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like a major component of what Starbucks has been doing in terms of union busting has been not just breaking the law, obviously, but also trying to create this web of ambiguity where especially maybe if you don't have a lot of union support at your store, you might not have the resources to understand how all of these edicts coming down from Howard Schultz are going to affect you on the ground. And I'm curious, like, what kind of support did Starbucks Workers United give you to be able to fight back both against that ambiguous union busting, but also the very direct union busting that they've been doing, such as illegally firing union organizers? So we've been very grateful that um, they've provided us with a lot of labor lawyers. So like each region area has their own like attorney or like law firm that's helping them out. And so they've been really great at um, tracking stores, ULPs, filing ULPs, um, getting support for fired workers and also helping them. Um, Another partner I was talking to, like not only do they fight you in like labor court against like these ULPs, but they also are fighting partners in um, unemployment court and Mm -hmm. saying that they shouldn't get unemployment because they violated company policy, quote unquote. Um, That's what happened to Vic and Buffalo. (laughs) And so thankfully they've, helped us provide, they've provided us with, you know, labor lawyers, but they've also provided people with, um, getting support with unemployment, unemployment lawyers, um, and support that way. And we also have like a coworker fund for fired partners and partners who are needing money that we they're, we're currently like fundraising for, um, and that'll launch in the fall. And then also they put together a, a striking workers fund for $1 million that, is compiled of like union member dues um, and uh, like union members from all over the country can donate to it. Um, and so that's been really helpful. And then also just having like staff help us in like regional ways and also like national ways, like helping us with national bargaining and um, just like national structure stuff as well. Nice. Yeah. And one thing that I don't want to overlook about one of the things that you said about people having to get their shifts covered, uh, one of the policies at Starbucks, because I had worked at Starbucks, was when you are sick, you have to call every single person, text a, a hundred different people and throughout the whole chain to try to get your your shift covered. And if you can't, there is the threat of, of you know, uh, punishment for that and uh, how that kind of really puts the onus on each every each and every individual worker when the responsibility for staffing the building itself is the responsibility of Starbucks and uh, and how that has been used as a bludgeon against workers. And I'm not surprised that that has been exacerbated by COVID. I mean, I did not, I was fired uh, for, in my opinion, for organizing uh, much before COVID even hit. But uh, I mean, I wasn't part of this. This this was before the Starbucks Workers United thing. It was was just uh, me agitating inside of my 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 store. But um, I I just really want to highlight to the listeners that there are these these kind of systemic issues in Starbucks that have been there since even before COVID. And and I'm sure that you could uh, speak speak a little bit to to that before we move to to some of the other things. Yeah. So you definitely have to. If you call in, I think it's within three hours of needing your shift covered, you have to find coverage yourself. And they, at some stores and at our store, they initially tried to crack down on that. They were saying like, if you're calling in sick and you don't have like sick leave and it's happening more often 
than not, you know, you can be like subject to like getting in trouble for that, for, for not having the sick leave for calling in. And I, I know those like policies are in place for like people who quote unquote abuse the system, but like, what about people who have like chronic illnesses or, mm-hmm. you know, it's people, it, it's just like in, insane. Um, and now that like, you're going to have to use either your sick leave or vacation leave for, for COVID, you have to basically just really, really hope you don't have any other sicknesses and you have to just really hope that you're not one of the people who gets infected like two to three times a year because Starbucks is like a place where (laughs) you're around a lot of people who are unmasked and that risk is definitely going to be there, especially as COVID continues to evolve into new variants and, you know, protection isn't lasting as long as it it initially was. Um, Because I've heard of people getting infected like three times in a year as as we have these different variants. And so that's five days per infection, 15 days. And then on top of that, like hoping you're not out for any other days. And that's just assuming you have those days in general. And then also being forced to use your vacation days, which are supposed to be for like leisure away from work as sick days. So you don't even get a vacation anymore. And for people who don't have these sick days, like it's going to encourage people who aren't obviously symptomatic to go into work. Mm-hmm. and expose other people because they they need to make money they need to be paid for yeah for absolutely uh, they, they can't afford to take off and i remember that was a big deal at the beginning of the pandemic when so many companies didn't have these like extra sick days for covid people were going to work and with covid you know like yeah, well, and it's it's completely disgraceful the way Starbucks has like used anything and everything COVID related, attendance related, you know, one time violations of policy that uh, had had never been violated by that employee before to retaliate against their employees all over the country. Uh, but I'm curious what some of the specific union busting tactics you saw at your store your store were, and what were some of the conditions that you think led to Starbucks trying to bust the union at your store that way. So our store, I I feel grateful that we do have good management in our area, um, and especially at my store where they haven't done retaliatory like write-ups or firings, um, Mm. because I know that's not the case in a lot of places, and they fired over like 100 or 110 people at this point. Um, So I do feel very grateful for that. But a lot of the union busting was just kind of like mostly like captive audience meetings, like misinformation that's coming from Starbucks corporate about how the union will change things for the negative, like possibility of like losing benefits because everything's going to be on the table, quote unquote, um, including our current benefits and making people like genuinely scared of losing benefits that they actively use, like the trans health benefits, like the ASU college benefits, like people were actively scared about that. And then at some of our stores... (laughs) During these captive audience meetings, the district managers would say, like per like per verbatim, that legally they're not allowed to lie to us, and that Starbucks Workers United doesn't have that legal protection. So (laughs) the union can lie to us, but our district manager can't lie to us. And (laughs) if you're a district manager, you have to tell me, man. It's, 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 it's hilarious. Like, uh, as absurd as it is. And of course, like infuriating that 
they're even allowed to have these captive audience meetings and, you know, try to, to scare us out of unionizing. I, I couldn't help but like laugh at a lot of the stuff that they were telling us because they would, um, tell us that like the stores in Buffalo had already come to an agreement, um, to like not allow partners to be able to like transfer or pick up shifts at other stores. And they're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like they've, they've already agreed to it. And I would tell them, I'd be like, well, no, like someone from Buffalo organized our store and I haven't heard that. Um, and then they would tell me to Google it and <laughs> I on my phone and I literally like typed it in Google and I showed it to them and I was like, that's so weird. Like nothing's coming up on Google. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, it's probably like in like an agreement process, like the NLRB or something like, and then told people <laughs> to like go to the NLRB's website and yeah, I wasn't the only person that they told to Google stuff. So wow. at my That's- store, they were very unprepared, <laughs> <laughs> almost like embarrassingly so. They definitely hadn't had their their lawyer training yet. And then they would tell people that like they couldn't be a part of two unions because we had some ballet people who were obviously going to be a part of like the dancer slash ballet union. Mm-hmm. And so they would tell them that they couldn't be a part of two unions and they would have to like quit one of the places <laughs> Um, they would tell people that management couldn't work on the floor. Uh, they would tell people that they, the union would have wanted to like drug test people. <laughs> what? Um, wow. That's and, a new one. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and I was like, why we're Starbucks workers? Why would we, <laughs> why? Yeah. Why would we want to do that and agree to that and put it in a contract? Um, well, I think that maybe that's the the process of of third partying the union, saying that that the workers themselves aren't the union, uh, 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 which is a classic union busting tactic. Oh yeah, yeah. That- we love to say it's like an outside force, um, and you know, just just coming in and trying to separate Starbucks from from its employees. They, I would say, the most insidious union busting and the most effective, um, at least from I've seen you know, with support in my store is their denial of benefits and delay of benefits to union stores because we had a, we won our, we had our election back in May and Starbucks contested five ballots. And so it took until the end of July for us to finally get our contested ballots counted and finally win our election. And that was right before uh, the August pay raises. So they announced that $15 minimum wage increase back in October in response to Buffalo. And then I believe around May or something, they decided that um, for union stores, we would get the $15 minimum wage increase August 29th, but for non-union stores, they would get it August 1st. And so our store is pretty split. And so I think a lot of people were pretty certain that we would possibly lose, or just since it was like hung up in the air, we would get our 15 minimum wage increase August 1st. And so when we found out we won, um, people were pretty mad that we wouldn't get our, our wage increase until the end of to the end of August, which obviously isn't our fault, but I think it was like a lot of misattributed anger, which obviously is the point of those things to be like, well, just because we unionized, now we're not getting these benefits. And now any new benefits Starbucks wants to give us, like we won't get. And so it's caused like a lot of frustration and it's, it's, it's very effective. And thankfully we've pushed back a lot and like the NLRB ruling will be coming up next month on that, um, or at least the hearing starting. Um, so I do think that'll give us some like good progress and to show that things are, are, are pushing back against them, especially like in the courts and like the NLRB, you know, 
filed a complaint over that and, you know, said that they can't do that. But yeah, it's, it's just incredibly frustrating, um, to, for, for them to do that and to, to punish us for like, for using our right to, to organize and, and, and be a union together. Um, yeah. and then also to like to delay bargaining. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, to your point on the way that they've really tried to weaponize those benefits, you wrote a, a really good article in Jacobin on the way that Starbucks has weaponized their, uh, you know, reproductive rights, benefits, the the travel benefit if somebody has to seek abortion care, uh, or as you, you mentioned, the benefits for folks who are seeking gender-affirming health care, and the way that they've sort of dangled those in front of people is like, well, I don't know, we really want to give you these benefits, but if you unionize, we can't promise anything. Like, trying to set this th- this area where it's clearly a threat, but they're somehow, like, trying to tilt it back on the union, even though it's the company that's really threatening everyone. And, and one of the things that I was really curious about is how have you seen the effects of those sorts of threats, like in your store and what have you found to be the best way when talking to people who maybe are concerned about that, or even any of the other threats of loss of benefits to explain to them that, you know, like the only reason those benefits exist in the first place is because of the pressure of unions and like, why they should still vote for a union in the face of these threats. So I say the response, um, whenever they announced it was confusion and frustration, which was very intentional on that part because it wasn't clear if union stores would be covered or not. Um, and just another, just evil way of like presenting benefits, but then saying it's possible they could be denied at union stores because they have to quote unquote, like negotiate on it, but they're very much picking and choosing which benefits that they say that on. Cause of course for like removal of benefits, like with the COVID one, they're doing that unilaterally and they've done our changes unilaterally at all union and non-union stores. And so they're very much picking and choosing which benefits. And so I think really telling partners like, well, if they're saying they have to negotiate on this, but they're not doing it, saying that they have to negotiate on that, then like, that's not making any sense. And like, yeah, obviously we're getting these benefits because of the union effort and showing how like, even at non-union stores, like unions do raise the standard of living for, for all employees, like union or not. And so we all like benefit from just anyone wanting to unionize. And to like combat the confusion, I reached out to Partner Resources, which is like our HR. And I asked them specifically, like if union stores would be covered under that. And they couldn't even give me an answer then. Like they they would just tell me that they hadn't wow. been advised on that. And I even spoke to like the abortion benefits, like representative who, you know, would coach like partners through the process of that. Like they, they would just tell me that they, they hadn't been advised and they, they didn't know. And it wasn't until they started getting like really bad press about it uh, <laughs> because of like the obvious situation that uh, a union representative reached out to, I think Bon Appetit, whenever they were writing an article about it saying that uh, the benefits would cover all stores, even though initially like at the bottom, it, it made it very unclear when they announced it. So another contradiction with the way that they are saying that they can and cannot do things and what is actually the reality. 
Yeah. So even though it's a new benefit, uh, they said because it's an enhanced benefit and not a new benefit that they could offer it to union stores. So that is their logical legal reasoning that makes a lot of sense, <laughs> as we can tell. <laughs> we just came up with a different word for it, and that completely yeah, changes yeah. it. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, well, I'm not surprised at all uh, uh, about that sort of, uh, you know, mincing of words. And uh, so I guess to move to kind of an, another way in which they, the Starbucks has done some repression, uh, I'm guessing, and we've heard about this from many stores, but uh, how has uh, Starbucks used the weaponization of hours reductions um, uh, or, you know, I guess the threat of new management um, or even being so bold as to 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 say, oh, well, can you please back off and give us a second chance sort of thing? So for hours reduction, um, that's been like a big thing that they've been doing at varied stores since since the Buffalo stores announced. Um, and it's it's not just awful because obviously you need hours to pay your bills to make money. But for Starbucks healthcare benefits, you have to have work an average of 20 hours a week. And even those like abortion benefits, like it's not for every partner, like it doesn't cover every, every partner. It only covers you if you work an average of 20 hours a week in order to like buy into Starbucks health insurance. So not only does it like cut your wages and the money you take home, like if you're not meeting that average of 20 hours a week to make the quota um, in order to stay eligible for benefits, you risk losing your your healthcare benefits, which is not just like your healthcare. It could also be your trans healthcare benefits. And, you know, if you wanted that benefit coverage for um, to be protected just in case you need an abortion in, in, in states that it's, it's banned in, um, it, it risks all of that. And so it's very, very scary. And we just had a partner recently and I believe it was like Marysville, Washington, who, um, had gotten fired because she was a new mom. She was two weeks back from being on maternity leave. Um, and she had reduced her hours to not be available on weekends because obviously she has a newborn baby at home and Mm -hmm. Starbucks basically fired her and pushed her out because of her, availability change and not working with that, even though they had um, implemented like a minimum of availability in non-union stores, um, they're still like picking and choosing where to enforce availability rules. And also like Jazz Brizak, like, you know, one of the founding members of the union was literally just pushed out last week or the week before for requesting hour reductions as well. But like in my store, like I... And I have another job, so my hours are reduced as well. So they're definitely just like picking and choosing when to enforce that and who to enforce that on. Um, so, yeah, it's really awful. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, I don't want to uh, change the narrative at all, but I do want to also point out that this has been happening since even before the union movement, because one of the things that I experienced in uh, at Starbucks was uh, understaffing and hour reductions of like the the total staff available, and one of the fire the the actual final firing things for me was that uh, I had left a, a store after closing like kind of a mess 
to the point where they said that they had to bring in uh, someone for an entire shift to help clean up, which to me sounded like they had purposefully understaffed me one whole person in an entire shift. And suddenly I don't have enough people to actually clean the store. And they use that as the final write up to fire me, which they had. I'm, I'm sure that that is there's at least some parallels there to the way that that some of the other workers have experienced uh, repression. Yeah, no, definitely. Because they either one expect you to stay way past the time you're clocked out for in mm-hmm. order to clean the store efficiently or two, leave the store mess and then leave at your scheduled time. And then make it harder for the morning people and then also like blame you because yeah, we were pretty understaffed last winter when we were like down an extra closer when we usually have more closers uh, just because it's like winter and people get a lot of hot chocolates. And so, yeah, we had to choose between leaving at nine 30, which was when everyone wanted to go home and people, you know, had things to do in the morning or staying 30 minutes late or so in order to make sure the store is perfect. And that's that's not fair on like closers who want to get out of the store at a decent time and have to be up early in the morning. Yeah, or people who need to get to the bus. Yeah, to get to the bus. Yeah, or people that need to open the next day or like be up mm-hmm. early. Um, it's it's definitely not fair. And that was definitely unrelated to, to like union stuff because – I think Buffalo had organized then, but we hadn't talked about it at all yet. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely an issue since before then. Um, just kind of like cutting back on labor hours whenever they feel like it and then giving us extra whenever they like it's it's not consistent. And, you know, we do deserve like consistency. So your store election when you had it went once it went through the whole process of the company challenging ballots and that getting delayed came out with a, a relatively close vote. I believe it was, what, 13 to 11, I, I, yeah. I think, was the final yeah, number. Yeah, our store has been pretty split. So I guess one of the questions that I would have, like, just for folks, if they are cons- if they work at a Starbucks or, or a similar place and they're just thinking, they're like, look, I want to I wanna unionize my store, but I want to be ready. Like, mm-hmm. I know there's going to be all this sorts of, you know, all that you laid out a lot of the talking points that they are going to hear from managers about, Oh, these are all the terrible things. Unions, all the lies that, you know, get thrown out there about unions. But I think one of the things that has talked about a little less, at least in a lot of the labor press that I read is how to respond to a coworker who might have those sorts of misconceptions. And so kind of a two-part question on that, I guess I would just say, what were some of the most common misconceptions that you ran into just talking with your, your fellow workers at the store about like just what a union is or, or what the Starbucks workers United movement is specifically. And then I just generally, were there any like arguments or points that you raised with folks that you found to be particularly persuasive if somebody maybe was on the fence, they weren't sure, or had come in with some preconceived notions about unions? So I'd say um, some of the general like misconceptions that I had heard were like talking about union dues and like thinking we would have to pay them like right after we won the election and that they would be like quite a bit of money and you know, you'd end up making less money. And then another thing I remember hearing a lot, and I think it's still something common I hear at our store, just depending on the person, um, especially at our store, because we did have like a really good store manager that um, is like very fantastic with us. It 
it, it's people sometimes feel like, oh, well, things aren't as bad as they are at like Amazon or like UPS. Like our working conditions aren't like terrible. Like we have good management. Like we don't need a union. Um, and like, we're not, we're not exploited. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, those were stuff I, I do remember and have heard. And obviously I like push back on and, you know, say like unions, you know, even though we're not depending on like what store you work, because some working conditions are pretty bad at other stores. Um, like our, our store manager can't protect us from corporates. They can't protect us from Starbucks taking away benefits like they are with COVID. Um, like nothing, nothing is guaranteed. Um, they can't provide us with like consistency and raises and, and new benefits and they can't protect us. Like we live in a right to work and at will employment state. So like Mm -hmm. we can be fired at any time for any, any reason and have like little to no power, um, to, to push back on that, um, and to protect ourselves. And that is something that a union can protect you with. And just advocate for for you and your coworkers. Yeah, I mean that's really one of the things that makes it the most absurd when they go around saying things like the union is going to force us to negotiate on things and the union is going to make things unreliable. Because as you've stated, it's like anything that's granted by the company is as unreliable as it could possibly be and is constantly yeah. under threat of being revoked. Yeah, because like even with the COVID benefits, like they had said that they were indefinite before. And like, I know that means open ended and not like an actual end date. Um, And that doesn't mean forever. But like, you know, COVID, even though Joe Biden loves to like say COVID is over. And I I get that's like very much the, the corporate and like the press idea because they want people to 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 go to work and, you know, be in the office and, you know, push this thing and get it over with and pretend it's the flu, but it's not like it's, it's still, it still kills like hundreds of people a day. It still is like a mass debilitating illness and it's still incredibly infectious and only getting more so with, with new strains. And so not just taking away our COVID pay benefits, but taking away our vaccine pay right after probably one of the most effective boosters that has come out is just completely, obviously not just awful, but completely confusing because if you want people to, to be over COVID, but you're not going to offer them like pay for getting the vaccine, like the most effective vaccine right after it comes out, like what is the point? Like it makes, it makes no real sense. Certainly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We, we we talk about that all the time here. Yeah. 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 And the COVID stuff is, is, is so inferior to me. I could talk about it endlessly. Like it, <laughs> and just with like these new removals of, of all the, like the COVID benefits, I, I do hope it gives um, like stores that haven't organized yet, you know, another reason to see why unions are important at, for advocating for not just, not just changes in the workplace, but advocating for the health and safety for your coworkers and um, unions being able to advocate for for COVID pay and for COVID benefits to stay and also get better. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's actually a really interesting contradiction, the stuff around COVID, because yeah. like for years and years, one of the reasons that, you know, the, the 
the corporations in the U.S. have been so adamant against the concept of a national healthcare system is because they find it so useful to be able to dangle whatever benefits they are are willing to throw out there at people and say, oh, you better not, you know, you better not be too uppity at work because if you get fired, you lose access to your health care. You wouldn't want that. But it's that very precarity that they then created that has led to so many people in the aftermath, well, in, in the current, you know, crisis of the pandemic to really be forced into organizing. I mean, Chris Smalls, when he was originally, you know, taking action at, at Amazon was starting to fight for worker protections because of COVID. And then they, you know, the ALU grew out of that fight. As you said, like yourself, there's been so much, so many of the stores that have unionized with Starbucks workers United, that effort really grew out of efforts to protect each other during the pandemic. And so there's still, you know, obviously, as you were saying, this effort to convince people that it's not real, but while that may be easy to do for the management or really the upper level people at the corporation who are sitting in their, you know, million dollar condo and going to zoom meetings and telling everybody (laughs) that the pandemic is over, it's the partners in the stores. It's the, the, you know, deli counter clerks at, at supermarkets, it's even rail workers. There's, that's one of the things that we heard because we've been talking about the, the potential for a national rail strike. And one of the things that, we, that we've seen from workers at, specifically at BNSF, which is, and this is going off on a tangent, but like, it, I promise it comes back. <laughs> like one of the big things that they were mad about is part of the horrific attendance policy that that company implemented, getting rid of the options for people to take days off, is that if they got sick, with COVID, the recovery time, just to be able to come back to work and not be sick and not get their coworkers sick, one bout of COVID alone would eat up all of their sick time. Mm-hmm. And they would have nothing left. And if they had to take a day off the rest of the year, they would likely get fired. And so these, all of these different sectors that are, because, you know, it's, it's one of the things about COVID being a pandemic. It affects all of us. And so... I think it's very easy to think when you're in that like bored person level where you aren't interacting with customers every day who are coming into a store without a mask and want to shout a bunch of requests at you for the world's most complicated latte or whatever. And it's a lot different of a reality when you're actually in that situation, seeing your coworkers get sick, seeing them have to struggle with, okay, I only have two sick days left. What does that mean? Do I try and get somebody to, do I just try and take time off unpaid? Do I risk coming in and getting people sick? So I just think it's really interesting when we look at like how COVID has really inspired so much of this organizing. And it's kind of like a way where you we see like these really regressive policies of corporations like Starbucks and trying to basically be like you have to be a good employee or you'll lose your health care which is to put so many people in the position where they're like what you're offering me isn't good enough as is so like my you've left us the workers our only option is to organize and so like I I guess 
I don't know that I actually had a question in there. <laughs> I apologize, but I no, just like ranting, ranting is valid. Do it. <laughs> yeah, well, and it yeah, and it might seem like uh, this this episode was recorded in uh, late 2020 or even 2021, but it is almost October of 2022, and uh, this is still a front and center issue. Right as, like you said, Joe Biden says that the pandemic is over. Yeah, and. I, I have seen, I was kind of following this on social media, tracking like, you know, Starbucks workers responses on different social media platforms, like their Reddit thread. And I, I did see a lot of people frustrated, but I think a, I did see people who were kind of like believing the company line. They're like, yeah, I mean, the pandemic is slowing down and, you know, this was just like um, a temporary benefit and, you know, it, we shouldn't have think this like should last forever, but it's like, no, one, we are still in a pandemic and two cases are still going back up now that kids are back in school. And this is the most infectious variant yet. And that obviously is going to cause a rise and, you know, hospitalizations and unfortunately deaths as well. And not only that, but like I said, like long COVID is affecting like millions of Americans who who have, you know, long-term symptoms from this and some are like disabling. <laughs> and so it's it's not it's not just killing people and like giving people like severe infectious diseases where they need to be in the hospital, but it's disabling people out of the workforce force as well. I know I want to say it was like maybe John Hopkins, I think published something. I'll have to find it later for y'all. Um, but talking about like the millions of Americans who are disabled now because of COVID and the COVID symptoms that they have, because it's not the flu, it's not a respiratory disease, it's a vascular disease. So it's affecting a lot of people's organs and their central nervous system. And, you know, it's causing like blood clots and brain fog and other damage. It's, it's not just the flu as much as they want it to be. And you're not out just one day to get over it. And when you don't provide workers, when you, when you tell workers that they can't come to work with COVID and they still have to be out for five days to quarantine, but you're not providing them enough sick leave, you're, forcing them into organizing because they have to choose between, you know, being unpaid for their time off or coming into work and hoping they don't infect other people. And that was the initial issue in the beginning of the pandemic, which is like you said, why Amazon and all of these companies started having wildcat strikes and started having walkouts and started, um, starting unions. Yeah, absolutely. I guess one question kind of going along the same similar lines to before when I was asking about arguments that you found useful for people who may be a bit reticent. If somebody is like has seen what's going on with Starbucks Workers United, they think it's great and they work at a Starbucks, but they haven't heard any of their other coworkers talking about it. There isn't already a movement at their store or they may not be aware of one anyway. What would you say to them like they're trying to figure out they want to organize their workplace, but they're not sure how to start. What what would you tell them is, is the way to get the ball rolling on that? I would say the first ball rolling you need to do, you don't need to talk to any of your coworkers yet. Like that's totally okay. You can, that's fine. Um, but most of our, our outreaches are just one angry partner and one partner that's angry, that's curious, that's like, I don't know where to start, but this is appealing, or I'm afraid, or, you know, I'm really interested, but this whole thing process seems intimidated. I don't know if I can organize all of this on my own. 
Um, so the first important start stepping stage is going to Starbucks Workers United website, which is sbworkersunited.org. And then you would go to the start organizing button and you would just fill out your contact information. And after that, one of our organizers will reach out to you and schedule a Zoom meeting. And you can kind of like talk about your questions, your issues, um, anything you want to learn from a Starbucks organizer. And then they'll kind of guide you through the process and make it seem not as overwhelming and guide you through, you know, forming your organizing committee, um, talking to partners in your store, running cards, and then eventually going public and filing for an election. So it's not as overwhelming as people think. I, I definitely thought that in the beginning. Um, I followed Buffalo's election right after it happened. And even at that point, I, I'd known I'd wanted to work at a unionized store for the longest time since I have kind of followed like left politics for a while. Um, but even then I was like, well, it's Oklahoma and like my store is so different. And like, I felt intimidated by, by the whole process. And then thankfully my coworker ended up getting in contact with someone from SB Workers United and kind of started that process. And then, you know, we just started talking to each other and it made it a lot easier than and less daunting than it seemed. Well, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even if it is, like you said, just one angry person, we already know that there are (laughs) hundreds and hundreds of other angry people who are out there ready to help organize. And so even though usually when you're organizing, it's like, you know, we never organize alone because organizing is about getting multiple people in. But the first step can be finding the people who are already in that movement and making sure to get the information on, on how to organize uh, effectively based on the people who have already organized effectively and, and gathering that community support, even if it's, you know, on a national level. And and I guess on the thought of, of community support, uh, how is it that, I mean, have you seen uh, local community support, whether it be customers coming in and saying they support the union or other sorts of uh, maybe local labor groups uh, showing solidarity? Yes. Um, I want to answer that, but I kind of wanted to add on to your previous question about how to organize Starbucks. But if you don't work at Starbucks and you work at another workplace and you want to also unionize your workplace, I would definitely promote workerorganizing.org slash support. And that's DSA's emergency workplace committee. And they will help you um, at any other workplace, get you involved with organizers and then get you linked up with a union. So I definitely wanted to promote that. And yeah, we've had, um, Like, obviously, we have pretty low union density here in Oklahoma, um, but we have had, you know, quite a few customers come in and offer support. Um, DSA has been super instrumental. I was actually in DSA for about, I want to say, maybe a year before this, um, just kind of keeping track with things. And then, um, you know, once my store started organizing, uh, I got more involved with DSA labor and was able to coordinate like sip-ins um, and getting involved with other unions and more solidarity activities uh, with them and get connected with other DSA labor people um, nationally. So they have been super instrumental. Um, but yeah, community support, uh, even though it's been like we have a smaller number here, um, it has been super great. And uh, I don't know if you had seen, but uh, our Apple store here in Oklahoma City had filed to unionize um, 
or filed for a union election, I think about a week or two ago. And they just had an event this past weekend and they invited some of our Starbucks workers and they let us know like how inspiring we were to them. And just, you know, it was great to show support for them. And then also in exchange, you know, having them offer support in any ways we needed it from, from them as well. Yeah, that human connection between workers is really big. And I have to imagine that's something that's reassuring about uh, setting up that Zoom call with uh, Starbucks Workers United in the first place, too, is like if you're a Starbucks worker and you want resources from the company, your manager is going to like kind of try to get you to forget about asking about it. And then they're going to direct you to some obscure place on the partner portal that doesn't even make any fucking sense and is impossible to get to. But if you get in touch with other workers, they're just like, oh, you need resources? Well, I can't help you, but I know a person who knows a person who knows about that. And you're suddenly two phone calls away from the resource that you need. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, if you ask Starbucks now, they'll direct you to one.starbucks.com. And that's oh. their very cutely crafted union busting website. And so you can get all <laughs> the answers on why we don't need a union in our workplace. <laughs> and so that's where they've been sending people. I'm so glad they finally got it all in one place instead of putting it in 10 different places on two different yeah, portals. Yeah, I don't think it was around whenever we had organized or maybe it was like just launching. Um, but yeah, now uh, now they're, tell- they're, they're basically just like sending that link directly to partners to, to get all of their union questions and wow. information. Wow, absolutely wow. ridiculous. <laughs> and I mean, at least uh, they're, they're laying it all out so it's easier to rebut yeah. any of those ridiculous talking points. I mean, it, it does seem like a, a bit of a weird tactic. It's it's such a corporate one to just be like, well, we made a website that has an FAQ for how we like to union bust. It has very uh, Democrat uh, energy. It, it, sometimes I forget Howard Schultz wanted to run for president for a second there. <laughs> yeah, I think he was also in the running for Hillary Clinton's labor secretary. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know if he was in an official announcement or if it was just um one of the, like the proposed candidates, but he yeah, so yeah, definitely that it happened. That would have been wild. Yeah. Well, and then I guess to to slightly go back to the previous question I had, uh, how is it that maybe the like listeners who might not be right in your area, uh how how is it that they can show support for your organizing and and even maybe at your store or at other Starbucks Workers United uh organized stores throughout the nation? So I would direct them to our website again and in big bold letters, click sign the no contract, no coffee pledge. And that's just going to grab your contact information and get you uh, notified whenever there's like strikes nearby that need support, um, sip-ins nearby, anything that Starbucks workers need community support for. Um, And we're trying to get a lot more signatures on that just as things, you know, keep growing. We'll definitely need a lot more community support, but I would definitely recommend to fill that out and send it to anyone, you know, that way we can have, um, a lot of community support as we have this upward battle for bargaining a contract. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess, and I, and I mean, to, to point to the like impacts of that, I, I know that we just had, I was just reading about that the 874 Com Ave store in Boston, which had been on strike for just over two months, actually just ended their strike after. And I'd be, I'd been seeing huge community support from people all over the city, different unions showing up. I know the Teamsters 
came out there to show their support and they just ended their 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 two month strike basically getting all of the demands that they had been fighting for so uh that com- both want to point out there that direct action works but also that community support is one of those things that really helps you know push you over the finish line on that stuff so mm-hmm. really want to encourage all our listeners to really sign that that no contract no coffee pledge and if there's a Starbucks store unionizing near you or has unionized and there probably is <laughs> statistically. Well, yeah, more uh, Starbucks Union has a map of all of the Starbucks Union locations. Um, so not just sign the pledge, but go show support. Go, you know, some things we encourage our customers to do whenever we hold like sip-ins is to like change your name to like Union Strong or Union Support. And then obviously tip your union baristas very well. Like it's it's super important. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that- one thing I saw with another interview that I had seen is just to temper that with, uh, you know, if there is a store that you're not certain is organizing to maybe not scare yes, the workers. If, if they're not, yeah, union or like filed publicly yet, it's kind of just like lean back because, yeah, you don't know what the status is and like if management is around, you know, just kind of be, uh, yeah, exactly what you said. Right. Yeah. Just uh, and and it's great to uh, if you're going to actually support workers who are uh, organizing in a a place that is not, you know, openly organizing that uh, maybe it would be better to just be friends and uh, have have a conversation as friends rather than than create some sort of possible, uh, you know, uh, stress in the work environment itself as Starbucks is a really, really stressful job. It is not a, it is not an easy job where, you know, people are just, you know, oh, they're just making coffee. They're turning around and pouring out of the, the big, uh, the big dispensers, but, but in, but you're actually basically required to make three drinks at one time as the line is out the door and, uh, and do that for pretty shitty pay. Yeah. I mean, you used to work at Starbucks, you know, I'm sure you know what it's like to be on bar during peak and having a line of customers staring at you asking when their order's ready while like stickers are just like overflowing. (laughs) Yeah. Pouring in and you have two different regulars trying to chat you up while you obviously have like nine screaming tourists who didn't get the right thing off the bar. Yeah. And then you also have like an, a flow of like delivery and like mobile orders, which you have no control over. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's wild. And then everyone wants like 10 customizations on their, on their order. And so you got to make like, got to blend it and make cold foam and all of the the extra stuff for all of these drinks. And then, you know, then they get mad at us for our customer connection store being low when people being angry at us for, (laughs) for their drink being slow is not our fault. Yeah. Sometimes I think Starbucks introduced the cold foam thing just to fuck with their employees because that shit makes zero sense to me. It's definitely very tasty, but yeah, it, it does add a little bit of a time to the, to the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is there, in, uh, I mean, this has all been really great information. I was um, wondering if there is anything else that you wanted to make sure to let the listeners know uh, before we let you go. Yeah, I wanted to also promote our our coworker uh, fund for fired and um, partners in need of financial support. Um, it's garnering donations right now and it's planning to launch, uh, for partners sometime in the fall. And I can send you guys the link, um, that way you can promote it as well. But yeah, we're trying to, to fundraise for that since, you know, the fired partner list, um, 
keeps growing exponentially and we want to be able to support them and not have people be afraid of organizing for, you know, the risk of getting fired because we're, we're still out there to protect them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's super important. And we'll make sure to add that into the show notes, the fired workers support uh, fund, as well as the no contract, no coffee pledge. And uh, I guess with that, we want to thank you so much, Alicia, for joining us and helping us, you know, shed some light on the conditions that y'all are facing. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. And uh, we also want to thank the patrons for supporting our show because it's how we actually are able to do these sorts of interviews. And you can jump in our Discord if you want to have more discussions about that. And uh, I guess, as always... Labor peace is not in our interest, and solidarity forever. Solidarity, everyone. Solidarity, everybody. You wake early in the morning, gotta rush to be on time. Start your day driving through your local Starbucks line. From when the morning sun comes up to when the nighttime falls, the baristas at the Starbucks are at your beck and call. But baristas at the Starbucks aren't treated fair at all. It's poor, poor, poor Till you can't take no more And every day without fair pay We wonder what it's for A noble crew that brews the brew Is trapped within a cave For the greedy few that own the brew Won't pay a living wage And when the brave baristas fight For what they know they need The bosses at the Starbucks Care more about their Bosses at the Starbucks don't want their workers free. It's poor, poor, poor till you can't take no more. And every day without fair pay, we wonder what it's for. Listen to baristas when you hear their cries of pain. Don't let the greedy bosses bust their union strikes again. Don't wait in line, don't spend a dime until they see the light. For baristas at the Starbucks 
are marching still tonight. It's poor, poor, poor till you can't take no more. And every day without fair pay, we wonder what it's for. It's poor, poor, poor till you can't take no more. And every What it's for Still we 